This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more podcasts at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? It's time for the Timey Wimey Podcast Brunch Hour. I'm Ronnie. Jay's with I'm me. I'm Jay. Yes. Yes, yes. Back. You got some uh, C2E2 lag. We uh, were both at C2E2 <clears throat> last weekend. I'm mostly recovered other than my knees. Oh, my gosh. My knees are yeah. still giving me some fits, but yeah, I'm pretty much recovered. Yeah. I'm, I'm recovered except for I'm ready for the another con to go to where we're all at. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I am too. Um, we do have an agenda today. We're going to talk about the 90s movie for Doctor Who. Right. But um, we were talking and you, we, I only saw like a Baker cosplay and um, Oslin Osgood cosplay and a couple of tenants, but you saw other things, though, right? Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw. I didn't see a tenant. I don't think I did see a Matt Smith cosplay and a couple of different Tom Baker cosplays. But uh, then I saw one guy who had. He was over in the area where the cosplay area. He had a Dalek robot, and not a small one either. This was about a four and a half foot high Dalek. I, yeah, I don't know how I missed that. Uh, I, you know, I just was wondering, and there it was. I was coming on my way from the sci-fi stage over to oh, yeah. the, the autographing area, because it, it's kind of back in the corner, mm-hmm. away from Artist Alley. So if you didn't specifically go back there, yeah, you weren't going to see it. Yeah, I went it's, back there once, and because uh, Donnie wanted to take a picture with the giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Right, but I mean, he had it radio controlled, and it it the sound effects were spot on and it would turn and move towards you and move its weapon it was pretty nice i'll send you i took a, about a short video and i forgot to send it to you so i will okay that sounds good um, yeah so that was that was the extent and there was i know there was one get together it was on friday but we were too busy to go there was a doctor who fan get together mm-hmm. yeah it was on the schedule but um it was like a fan meet and greet panel type thing <laughs> Yeah, but we were at, I think, I think that's when we were at the other panel um, on Friday. Yeah, and I I think I would have made more of an attempt to go to that panel if there was, like, somebody actually from Doctor Who there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I agree. It's just getting together a bunch of geeks talking about whatever. Right, yeah. Arguing about who's the best doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Probably wouldn't appeal to me. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this... uh, so we're going to talk about the McCann, Paul McCann. Paul McCann, uh, yeah. It came out in what, 96? 96. Yeah. And this was uh, 
BBC Universal Studios 20th Century Fox attempt to revise the Doctor Who franchise, if I right. remember correctly. Yeah, it was yeah, and it was really driven more by Fox than BBC. I mean, BBC kind of bought in to the, but it was really produced and driven by Fox, and it was intended to be a pilot. It wanted to know it wasn't. It was intended. It was a pilot for a possible TV program that would have been aired in the United States on Fox. It would have, it's like American produced one. Right. And yeah. Paul McGann had signed a contract that said if this was picked up, he had a six-year obligation as to play, portray the doctor. Yeah. But it didn't. So this was, yeah, saying it's an American attempt at Doctor Who, which a lot of people, you know, poo-pooed. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not really that bad, really. I mean, well, you know, it got a lot of it got a lot of criticism, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, you know, you know, Doctor Who should be produced in Britain. Americans can't do Doctor Who." My take is that at least they were trying. They did something. You know, they made an attempt at it. Right. Um, I mean, it took another. That was in 2006. It took another nine years before Doctor Who came back in 2005. Right. By the BBC. Right. But I just remember being, yeah. This announcement came out, and I was really excited about it and anticipated it for weeks. Yeah, and it took a new direction, but like um, this was the last appearance of Sylvester McCoy as the seventh Doctor. Right. And um, Paul McCann as the eighth Doctor, and his only appearance until 2013 on the night of the Doctor where he repraises the role. And of course, we've seen him in a couple of other things since then, but... Right, as well as he does a lot of the audio books. He's done some audio dramas yeah. as as the eighth Doctor. Yeah. But yeah, that was the interesting thing. They they contacted Sylvester McCoy and asked him if he would partake of this to do a regeneration scene, a transition, and he agreed to do it. And I've, I've seen an interview with him, recorded interview at a, at a convention. He was joking around that they flew him to Canada. Most of this was filmed in Canada. They flew him to Canada, and he said he had a dressing room for the first, which he never had at Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he said they they spent more on uh, they spent more just on his dressing room and costuming than they did on the whole, you know, the entire budget of the program when he was doing it in the late eighties, hmm. which tells you something, something about how they were going with this. But go ahead. No, I was just saying like um, there's there was other like well-known actors in it at the time as yes. well. Like Eric Roberts is in it. Right. As the master or master, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, you had Sylvester McCoy to bring back the nostalgia part of it, but, um, we had a young Will Sasso in it. Right. But I mean, so it had like all the, all the makings to be. Good. Yeah, it did. I, it, and it, I think overall it was, a pretty well done effort. I think Paul McGann was very good as the doctor. I think he understood the character. He'd obviously, you know, done some research and he, he brought a lot to do, brought, brought a lot to it. Yeah, I, I think so. <coughs> and, uh, well, he's from, he's English as well. So yeah, I mean, and he was British and then there were, there were people from the BBC and, and Brit that were involved in the production of this. It wasn't just, an entire American uh, effort. Yeah, you know, like the, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was set. You know, the setting was in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard, I've heard some criticism that that the 
that they I've heard a lot of criticism about Eric Roberts, not his ability, but simply that they thought since the doctor was British, the master should be British, but it wouldn't fit into the plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. Because he crashed, you know, the the master had been, I don't, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know, give away too much, but the master had been 25 years from, you know, know. spoilers by now. So, well, you know, the movie opens, the master has been supposedly uh, executed and the doctor is taking his remains back to Gallifrey and he escapes. Somehow he gets out of this little container and sabotages the TARDIS, causes the TARDIS to crash in the Los Angeles area, I believe. Yeah. Yep, you're right. And then he take, you know, he takes over the body of, 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 of a policeman, I believe. Yeah, a detective. Uh, yeah, a detective. So, I mean, you know, he's in America, in the United States. He takes over the body of a person there. So, of course, you know, he's not the English, the British master. So, you know, and, and yeah, it was a little, you know, jarring if you you know based on if you sent a lot seen a lot of the classic who with with the master but it it worked well yeah and i think it lined up with movies of the 90s that were trying to be semi-serious but not so much sci-fi it was more like realism type thing because back yeah. then you know we had um interview with a vampire and you know that type of drama type stuff not saying that that's a good comparison but you know uh because even though it comes out in 96 it's supposed to be happening on december 31st of 99 so we're getting ready to go into the y2k movement right so it's just trying to modernize it from i mean because sylvester mccoy was was it like late 80s right when yeah his last one or his last series 80 89 is when they you know stopped producing it yeah so this is like seven years since that so of course we you got to modernize it somehow right and i really liked the tardis the the setting that they did with the tardis the interior yes it was a very like a victorian men's gentleman's club yep yep yeah the kind that Dwan would go to <laughs> that's right yes. and you know it was it's quite different I, and that was i really liked that it was the first time you'd seen anything other than the sort of the white off-white room with the round things on the walls Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it was very like you said victorian and elegant and pinkies up type oh yeah very 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 posh yeah um smoking jackets needed type thing you know yep set by two recliners in the campfire while you read and drink your scotch (laughs) exactly oh my gosh now i'm on scotch (laughs) but yeah so yeah go ahead no go for it they're just, they, you know, the, there's a lot of differences in it, and they modernized it. And as what happens with everything, as you know, especially in the comic books, there are the purists that think, no, this is not how you do this. This is, you know, it's always been this way. This is such and such, such and such. And there's a lot of criticism about it. And I think that's, number one, I think it's short sighted and narrow minded. And why would you want everything to be always the same? Right. You know, yeah. just more of the same. Yeah. Let them try something different. As long as they, don't violate the basic character of the show, which I don't think the film did. I think it stayed within canon. Yeah. I mean, it, it was well enough that the BBC now accepts that as canon. Right. They, Paul McGann is accepted as one of the doctors. Right. And. Yeah, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's not like looking 
like watching it again. I think I watched it. Well, I watched it on the train again um, to C2E2 last weekend. I had it loaded up on my iPad, but like it's not going to win Oscars or Emmys or whatever, but it's not like a big train wreck either. No, no, I wouldn't say it's as far as quality. I wouldn't say it is up to the renewed series in 2005. Right. And it, is in some ways it doesn't age well like yes. you said it, it looks very 90s mm-hmm. you can tell it's it doesn't transcend its era you know right. you can look at it and think well oh, that's kind of cheesy this is a little bit but it was a well done effort yeah yeah there's a couple of things that uh, there's a couple of things like in the movie also that it kind of referenced back to like the eye of um, harmony, I think. Right. Which um, had been mentioned before. So even though it was trying to go a different direction, it was still trying to cement its in canon type things right. of, of the universe. Yes, and that was another criticism that a lot of people leveled was that the eye of harmony, as it was portrayed in this movie, was way too large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what it had been in the uh, uh, classic series. But yeah, they were you know they try to tie back, you know they were trying they were trying to balance. They were definitely looking for an American audience, a new audience that had not necessarily had any experience with Doctor Who. But they were try also trying to keep in touch with their core audience. So there were things that people uh, that had seen the classic series would recognize, like when he was talking about. Uh, there was a scene where he's talking about he was sitting outside with his father on a warm Gallifrey night. <clears throat> You know, in references to Gallifrey, anybody who hadn't seen, but they didn't really go into a heavy-handed explanation of what Gallifrey is. So if you haven't, if you didn't know anything about Doctor Who, you were a bit, a little bit, uh, I don't want to say disadvantaged, but you didn't really know all the all the background about Gallifrey and what it is and the, the Time Lords. Yep, and like uh, it would only make sense that uh, Doctor Grace Holloway, which was the Doctor that was trying to remove the bullet. Right. Would become his companion for this because, you know, she's a cardiologist and, of course, he's strange and has two hearts. So, yep. so that piques her interest about him being a mystery man type thing, which, you know, lays for every companion that we've had as curious of who this person is. And I liked it that the, the, the TARDIS key came back in this one as well. And they didn't. He didn't use the Sonic that much. Right. Which I don't know if... You know, I say that, but I don't know if that's like a missed opportunity. Because, you know, if they're trying to go drama, sci-fi-ish, would the Sonic have worked well? Or, you know, just cutting it completely out, like we don't need it anymore type thing. I know that in the classic series, whoever was... As they changed directors, there were some directors and producers... They tried to get away from the Sonic too much because they don't want it to become a magic bullet. Right, right. You know, just, okay, well, you know, like Green Lantern's ring. Yeah. Is a good, they don't want to become, it's like, oh, well, I can get out of any situation just get my Sonic screwdriver. Right. So, um, well, and, yeah, I, I think it was I think it was a good decision to not play it up because yeah. I think it might have confused people who weren't familiar with it. As much as like, what is this? It's a magic, magic wand 
So, and, well, you, and it also like takes away that because if you're playing that he has amnesia, like which every doctor has for a little bit after regen, I, right? So then he can't fall back on that because he doesn't even remember it, type thing. Right. Exactly. You know, you talked about the companion Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Daphne Ashbrook was the actress. On this, this was the first time. Uh, this is another thing where they kind of got a little bit innovative. This was the first time where they showed uh, they were more overt about romantic connections between the doctor and yes. the companion. Yeah. There were, they have, there were certainly hints of it in the classic series between the doctor and Romana, mm-hmm. uh, but there was nothing, you know, there was never a kiss or anything like that. You, so they kind of set the tone of which they have done now in the, in the, Revised series. There's been definite, yeah. you know, outright <coughs> romantic overtones right. between David Tennant and Rose, David Tennant and um, Martha Jones. Yeah. So that that was interesting. And I, that was a, yet another thing that people, <laughs> the purists, complain about. I'm har- seem like I'm harping on the people that complain, but it really, you know. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I think the time that it came out, like um, the true fans, like I would say you. And people like you, because me, I saw it, but you know the only thing I had before was when I was a little kid and got to see select things, you know, on PBS before I made right. the bus. So I didn't even get to see it until like later on, and I would say early 2000s. Like actually, I think Eccleston's run came out before I even actually got to see it. Right. But yeah, it to me. Yeah, like you said, some parts are dated. Some parts, they try to reinvent things of the Who mythology type stuff. But overall, I think it did what it was supposed to do. It just wasn't as successful as they would have hoped. Right. But now, it like like I said, I watched it last weekend. And is it my favorite Doctor Who thing to watch? No, but it's definitely not the worst. No, not by far. I mean, the... the Really, uh, you know, after towards the end of Peter Davison's run as the Doctor, and from then Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, that was to me that was the dim time of Doctor Who because the BBC had given up pretty yeah. much on the show, and the writers it was the probably the worst writing of the whole series. It was very camp. Uh, the scripts cliche. were like phoned in type of thing. Yeah, and you know, silly dialogue. Yeah. Uh, Stories that were redundant, and, so, and that's a shame because Sylvester McCoy, I know, is a really good actor, and he did a good job, and Colin Baker as well. Yeah. And uh, that's the one thing. A lot of it, they get listed as, you know, whenever people these do these silly ranking the doctors, which I hate. Yeah, I know. You know, they, you know, Baker is probably usually always last. Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy is down there low, and like, you know, you're not judging them as. You're judging the writing and the commitment that right. the BBC had, which was not much right. at, at the time. So, and for this movie, it was a 2.5 million dollar budget that was split up three ways. Wow! Between Fox, Universal, and BBC, and actually BBC only contributed 300 thousand to it. Right. So. Well, actually, it says BBC Television contributed 300 thousand, and the other was split up between BBC Worldwide and Universal. So that's kind of 
I didn't know that BBC was two different divisions there, but <clears throat> I was trying to find out what the what the how much what the viewership was. It, it made in US. It made five million dollars. Okay, yeah. So that was not <laughs> anywhere close enough to. Yeah, uh, well, it was double its budget, but it wasn't like groundbreaking, <laughs> right? To, to warrant more. It's interesting to note that bit of trivia. Um, just a few days, less than a week after that aired in the United States, the third Doctor John Pertwee died mm-hmm. in 1996. Yeah, not that that means anything. That's just a little bit of a trivia. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, five. Go ahead. I just saw that 5.6 million viewers, 9% share of the audience. Yeah, I was trying to... Uh, and it actually, it actually got better when I showed it in the in Brit, Great Britain. It actually got better numbers there. Yeah. Which, I mean, you, you would think it would, right? Because, yeah. Because it's been installed in their culture for a lot longer than it has over here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And uh, this was the last official logo doctor who logo until the revival in 2005 yes and they and in 2005 they used the same logo and then it changed in 2006 with tenant right so that's kind of cool that because you would think that if you tried to backdoor pilot reboot the series in 96 and it was quote unquote dismal and we couldn't do it let's revamp everything (laughs) right all the way down to the merchandising, to the logo, to everything, but they kept it. So that was kind of kind of cool, I think. Yeah, I think so. Too. And there was, I remember reading and seeing people talk about this when they announced in 2003, I think that Doctor Who would be returning in 20, 2005. There were a lot of people wondering would they give the role to Paul McGann, and there were a lot of people pushing for it. Yeah, and you know I. I love Eccleston. I, yeah, he's my favorite of the new era doctors. Right. But yeah, I think they could have. I don't know if they ever even considered him for that. If, and if they didn't, that's a shame because he did a really good job. And I really liked him uh, in The Night of the Doctor, the mm-hmm. mini webisode that they put out a couple of days before the 50th anniversary. Right. But it also, I liked him better actually in the. What night of the doctor, and I think part of it was because he was older. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's just a personal thing. I think you know the doctor. I don't as much as I like Tennant and Matt Smith. I'm not a big fan of these young doctors. Is the older, mature actors appeal to me more? Yeah, I can see that. Because like one of my favorites is John Hurt, and he's not even really one of the main doctors, but I loved it because he brought his experience and maturity to the role right right and same thing with capaldi or you know some of the older ones and and, well, I, th- and I think i think you're right though with the mccann thing he this was his only chance to play the doctor like he couldn't do it after that because except for when he when they brought him back for the web series so like you know you've had so much time to think about of what could have should have would have happened and then now you're older mature like in your acting chops and then you get to do it finally right yeah actually i thought and that little episode webisode is only six or seven minutes long but it's really powerful i mean you really remember it when you after you saw it yep i agree and you get to see his regeneration that was the only regeneration that was missing 
you know, in the canon that had not been filmed. Yeah. And who's he region into? uh, The War Doctor. Yeah. Right. Because we didn't see Eccleston region or get, we didn't see Eccleston take over. So that kind of left it open handed so they could do that. Because at that time, everybody just assumed that it went from McCann to Eccleston. Right. So that was kind of fun. Well, yeah, and, and of course, until Moffat came up with the whole idea of the War Doctor, which I'm not sure when that happened, but it was obviously right. sometime before the 50th. Yeah. And then you got to sort of see, well, at least the, the beginnings of the regeneration from the War Doctor into Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. yeah. And, and the one thing I know from from the pilot episode uh, for Eccleston's Doctor, he was fairly – it was pretty much right after the regeneration because there's one scene – in that first episode, Rose, or the yeah. first, where he looks in a mirror and he's, he's like, "Oh my, look at these ears!" <laughs> or he notices. <laughs> so he's not seen himself a reflection. So you get that kind of hinted that he's fairly newly regenerated. Yeah, and he still has that guilt-ridden. Oh yeah, yeah. He still carries the pain and the guilt of and the, the time war. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree on that. Well, uh, you have anything else? Oh, that was pretty much it. Like I say, it's it's certainly something I think Doctor Who fans need to take into account. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Yeah, at least once, right? Yeah, just to see you get some kind of continuity out of it, right? Especially if you've seen some of the newer things that McCann has been in, like Night of the Doctor. It'll mm-hmm. it'll give you some insight into into that. Yeah, and uh, actually, the Doctor Who the movie came out for blue uh, blu-ray uh, in september 2016 so well there you go and it came out on vhs in 2001 <laughs> i hadn't even looked to see if it's uh available on streaming video and streaming services anywhere it I is don't even on know. amazon prime it is okay yeah, yeah. i do know that because that's where where i seen it at but okay so that's your other option if you don't want to get the blu-ray yeah at least uh, i I don't think it's on Netflix because Netflix took all the Doctor Who stuff off of it. Yeah. So I don't. Well, no. All, I know that all Doctor Who, the modern series, is all, that's all on Amazon Prime too. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that exclusively. I think they've got exclusively rights to. Yeah. Because I know it's not on Hulu. Right. All right. Well, that is it for our brunch episode. Like Jay and I recommend, at least go watch it at least one time. And uh, let's see, there is also a soundtrack, but I don't recommend that. Because I have not even heard the soundtrack. It's it's like old classical scores, which I only did just because it's like one of those rabbit hole things. It's like, hey, let's see what this one, and then like, because I have seen it two or three times, I was like, oh yeah, that's when this happens, or whatever. But it isn't something that, you know, I'd put on just to read comic books or whatever. <laughs> But uh, you can find Jay at Jay Forgets. At Jay Forgets. Yeah. I'm at Rombar316. The show is at Timey Wimey Hour. And we are O-U-T. Okay, you used to be me. You've done all this before. What happens next? I don't remember. How can you forget this? Hey, hang on, it's not my fault. You're obviously not paying enough attention. Reverse the polarity. 
Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. I demand to be incarcerated in the tower immediately with my co-conspirators, Sandshoes and Grandad. Grandad? They're not Sandshoes. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boom. Nerdy Legion. NerdyLegion.com